No. <laughs> new new rule. New rule. Anytime the monster's on screen, you stare at that fucking TV. I was. I even put a note. I said. I said that it, it was like electrical. I saw like little like little like lightning things in it. Those flashes of light were the images. How's Naruto going? I made it to Naruto Shippuden. I don't know what that means, but it's telling the you show. But I know why you're asking, and I'm going to ignore that because I did cry. Did you actually? Yeah, I cried. That's why I hung up on you because I was so blindsided. So Zane calls me. Um, you guys might remember that I was explaining to Zane that I watched Naruto because my favorite Lions player is a huge Naruto fan, and I was like, "Well, I want to know." like what the hype is. So I start watching it because of Jamal Williams. Well, you football people will know it's that terrible time of year where you don't know. Seven weeks ago. Okay. Yeah. Well in live time, it's that terrible time of year where you might lose all your good fucking players and maybe your favorite player will sign a three-year contract with the saints. And I didn't know. So Zane calls me. He's like, oh, uh, why are you watching Naruto again? And I immediately knew that this is where it was going. And I think the phone call went something like this. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. No, you're lying. No, he didn't. And he tells me that he signed a contract with the Saints. I started crying. I hung up on him and called Andrew at work. He did not answer. But later he was like, I was in a meeting and I thought something terrible happened. You never called me at work. I was like, something terrible did happen. I was so upset. I'm still so upset. But to answer the question that you weren't actually asking, I made it to Naruto Shippuden. That's the second show when they're a little bit older. I know you don't care, but that's fine. It's really upsetting. But I do have a funny story to tell. Okay. And I'm hoping that mom hasn't told you about it yet. Okay. So this is going to be a segment of text for our mother with a twist. Ooh. Yes. So one morning I wake up to a bunch of pictures that mom had sent me of me in high school. Random, embarrassing pictures. And the last text says, you've come a long way, baby. And I see this. I see all these pictures and I see that long text, that last text. And I just didn't respond because I was like, Ew, why is she calling me baby? That was literally my reaction. Why is she calling me baby? That's so gross. So a couple days later, I called her and she was like, why didn't you respond to those texts? And I was like, you called me baby. And she was like, she's like, yeah, like the expression, like you've come a long way, baby. And I was like, oh, I thought you were being sentimental, like calling me baby. And she was like, no. So I was like, oh, okay, my bad. But I was like, also, you know, you sent me those messages at like 6 a.m. your time. And so I just figured you were being super sentimental and like having a moment. And she's like, I didn't send them to you that early. And so I pull up the text and I, I go all Lauren mode. I'm like, look, I received it at 9, 12 a.m. my time, which means it would be <laughs> six your time. No, it gets worse. I went, do you not know how time zones work? <laughs> She goes, 
Uh, if it was nine, your time, that would be 12, my time. Do you not know how time zones work? And it was like, as soon as it came out of my mouth, I realized that I did the time zones the wrong way and I was wrong. I was like, God damn it. (laughs) I just made myself look like such an ass. So yeah, that's, um, she was dying. She was like, oh my God, I'm going to tell Zane. I'm going to make him call you out on the podcast. Did she tell you about that? She did. Yeah. I was so disappointed in myself. Not your best moment. No, no, really not. And I was such an ass about it too. You know what? In your defense, I feel like you do deal with the Eastern time zone a lot because every time I text you, I refuse to acknowledge that the time is different for you. I'd be like, hey, we're good to record the podcast at this time. And I'll just say my time. And I'm like, she'll figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, but that's always how we do it. I refer to it as my time. Like, I'll be like, oh, I'm off work at 430 and and you know I'm talking about my time zone. And if you say something like, okay, so you'll be ready at 130 or no, see, this is what <laughs> <laughs> so, not 130. It's 730 for you. See, oh my God. <laughs> it's because every time I talk to you guys, I'm constantly doing the math of like, is it too late to text them? What time did they text me? So like, oh my God. It's Friday. I'm dying. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Lauren Gets Lost. I'm Zane. And I'm Lauren, and I'm dumb. And today we're covering Season 2, Episode 10, The 23rd Psalm, which took me till I was 20 to note that this word is not pronounced psalm. (laughs) (laughs) 20. I remember because I was watching a video of guys playing Minecraft and they were like, psalm is a weird word. And I was like, the fuck is a psalm? I've never heard of that before. And they were like, yeah, too bad it's not pronounced psalm. And I was like, what? And then I looked it up and I was like, oh my God. (laughs) That's like that TikTok that you sent me the other day that was like, words you might be pronouncing wrong because you've only ever read them in books. (laughs) Which of course was satire, but I haven't burned by that account before. So this was a really good episode, in my opinion. It was good. Yeah, it was. It was a thinker. It was really blurring that line between black and white, you know, because there were a lot of we'll get into it later. But there were a lot of times where I was just like, is this a sin? Like, it's inherently evil, but it also like is good kind of thing. Some moral ambiguity. For sure. Yeah, I have thoughts. We'll get there. So what's your synopsis? Oh, synopsis. One second. Every time. And the thing is, I take notes, but I don't use my notes during the podcast. This is just me. But then I forget because a synopsis I have to read. Okay, here it is. Echo is shocked to learn of Charlie's Virgin Mary statue and insists on being taken to the plane, which reveals his complex past and a crazy connection. I've got quick bits. Of course you do. This episode was directed by Matt Earl Beasley. This was his only episode of Lost, but he did also direct several episodes of Chicago Fire, Dynasty, Revenge, some CSI across like the entire franchise, and Prison Break. I feel like I should watch Prison Break. It's so good. Well, the first like two seasons is so good. And then the third season was... Okay, fourth season was shit. 
the direct to DVD movie that wrapped up the whole series was also pretty okay. And then the fifth season, the revival that took place 10 years later, that one was really good. I'm kidding. You it know wasn't what? that good. That was a roller coaster. I was like, I'll watch it. No, I won't. No, I won't. Maybe. <laughs> the reason I was thinking is because I've been wa- listening to a lot of Red Handed, which is my favorite true crime podcast. Um, and they referenced it. And I was like, hmm. I feel like I've heard a lot of good things. Maybe I'll just watch the first two seasons. The, the It's really funny because like, spoiler, not a spoiler. The main character has tattoos all over his body that like yeah. takes forever to put on like makeup wise. So then like in the third and fourth season, he doesn't really like take his shirt off a lot. So they don't have to put the tattoos on. So there's one time they're in like this really hot environment and the dude's just fucking sweating, but he's wearing a long sleeve sweater. <laughs> well, if he doesn't take his shirt off in the third and fourth season, I'm probably not going to watch it, but haha. I'm assuming he's hot. No, not really. I mean, he's a good-looking guy, but it's not like he's, like, jacked or anything. Oh. I, I just assumed if he's in prison that he's prison jacked. You, you no? have to watch the show. I might. We could do a podcast. Lauren gets... Lauren breaks out. Lauren breaks out. i do that. I love that show. Yeah. Well, let's chat in three years. <laughs> Quick pick number two. This is the return from the mid-season hiatus. I had to mm. really, really scrape the bottom of the barrel for Quick Bits this week. I'm glad you did. You know I love quick bits. Number three, Locke enters a combination into the gun locker. None of the numbers were numbers from the number sequence. Well, that'd be a little obvious, wouldn't it? Well, they always use those numbers, though. Yeah, but I mean, as far as, like, for actually protecting the guns, I feel like you want to mix it up a little bit. Speaking of the numbers... Echo and Charlie recite the 23rd Psalm incorrectly. They say, I walk through the shadow of the valley of death. However, the correct verse is, I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Really? Mm-hmm. That seems like a pretty big mistake to make. You would think that a priest and an altar boy might get that correct. Are you sure you're correct? Yes. It's on IMDb Goofs. I also watched the episode today, and I listened to it, and I was like, that's crazy. You'd think someone would have caught that. <laughs> you really think they put up? That's pretty embarrassing. So how about we get into it? How about? We start off with a flashback where a very young Echo and Yemi play soccer at their village in Nigeria when local warlords arrive and line up the children. A priest tries to stop them, but they knock him down with the butt of a gun. Then the warlords bring out an old man and grab young Yemi. They force a gun into his hands and tell him to kill the old man. Suddenly, they decide to start speaking English for the rest of the episode. They started off speaking Nigerian, and then it's just English from there on out. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, they're just giving you the setting. And they're like, okay, we won't make you read subtitles the whole time. Here you go. Yemi cannot kill the old man, so Echo runs over and shoots him. The old man, not Yemi. (laughs) Would have been a dark (laughs) turn. (laughs) The warlord asks Echo what his name is and calls him a born killer. They then take his cross and throw it on the ground, saying he will not need it anymore, and load him up onto the truck. Yemi picks up the cross as they look at each other and are separated. Something I think about every time I watch this episode or watch this show and see Echo and specifically this episode is just where are their parents? Working? 
I don't know. There's there's no reference to them. They're like at all throughout this entire episode. I mean, you could infer that maybe they're not alive anymore because later we see that they're in need of polio vaccination. So maybe that's a big jump. Why? <laughs> I'm gonna listen to what you just said. Later, they need polio vaccine, so they're probably orphans. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. They're like, maybe <laughs> their parents died of polio, but like, then we would need like maybe one other hint that that's the case. <laughs> I just feel like that's a huge jump. I mean, yeah, that's a big jump. But the okay. fact that like the fact that there's no like, don't take my baby. I just like assume they're like not around. Yeah, but what if, okay, that's a bunch of kids playing together. What if that was like a recess type of situation? They're all at school. Or this is where all the kids are during the day while the parents are working. The, they weren't around. And like, we just don't give it enough, get enough details in the flashbacks to see the fallout of Echo being taken and all of yeah. that. I'm sure there are parents or if there aren't parents, then like whatever, but. I don't know, making big jumps here. <laughs> Died of polio. On the island, Claire asks Echo what he is writing as he carves scripture into his stick. Echo says that these are things he needs to remember. Claire sits with him and introduces herself and Aaron. And then Echo says that Aaron was the brother of Moses. Claire says that must have been a lot of pressure to be Moses's brother. Echo says he's sure it was. He has this little smile on his face like he's clearly thinking like, I can kind of relate to that because Yemi is essentially Moses in this scenario. All right. Here's the thing. I didn't even know Moses had a brother. And, and Claire keeps like going on and on. Oh, apparently Charlie's religious. Like she just knows like when he says that, Oh, the brother of Moses, she's just like, yeah, I'd be like, sure. Not why my baby's named Aaron, but but sure. I mean, I don't really think she's like, yeah, taking it in stride. It's more just like she makes a joke. But this is what I'm saying is that like, I literally did not even know that this person existed. But like, you mean to tell me if you were talking to someone and they were like, oh, yes, Moses's brother. You would stop the conversation and be like, Moses had a brother. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's exactly. what. I, if somebody sat down and my baby's name is Aaron. And they and they were like, oh, like the brother of Moses. I would go, really? <laughs> like, I did not know that. And like, she seems to be like very aware of this whole, oh, must have been a lot of a pressure, like all this shit. But she doesn't seem aware because he then goes on to say what Aaron does for Moses, like how Moses struggled speaking. So Aaron spoke for him. So I don't think there was that much pressure. <laughs> I think I was just literally flabbergasted because I didn't even know that this person ever existed. And I was <laughs> like, what? Here's what drove me crazy. Peeling back the curtain a little bit. Lauren will send me her notes prior. And then like, I try to like wind them in. So I see her comment, like didn't know Moses had a brother. And I was like, fucking idiot. There's a whole song where Moses and his brother sing to each other. Let my people go. And then I was like, wait a minute. Aaron doesn't sound like the name of a pharaoh. So I looked it up. Do you remember this movie? We watched it in Sunday school. We just go to the same Sunday school, Zane. We were two different ages, so okay. we were in two different classes. Have you seen the movie? No. What movie are you talking about? The Prince of Egypt. 
No, I've never seen okay. that movie. You know the song, though. It was very famous on American Idol. I, I know the one line, let my people okay. go. The Prince of Egypt is an animated movie about the plagues on mm-hmm. Egypt and how Moses led the Hebrew people out of there. Mm-hmm. The story of Exodus. Mm-hmm. The entire movie makes it so like Moses was adopted by the Pharaoh family. So when he's singing that song, they're calling each other brother. And they're like, how did we get here? We're brothers. We love each other. In real life, or at least in the Book of Testament, they're not fucking related. There was just like a huge change. So I'm like, what an idiot doesn't know that er- that Moses has a brother. And then I'm like, wait a minute. So I Google it. I'm like, yeah, they're not even brothers. Editing Zane here coming to you after this episode was actually released. According to my parents, who know more about the Bible than I do, Moses was adopted by the daughter of a prior pharaoh. He did confront the pharaoh of Egypt and say, thus say the Lord, let my people go. Aaron was actually with him. However, based off of everything that I'm seeing, I was correct in saying that Moses was not the brother of the pharaoh that he confronted. However, I can't really seem to get a clear answer on who the pharaoh was. If anyone knows... Please tell us, and maybe we'll cover it in flashbacks. But consider this matter closed. I I know none of this. Like, not a thing. So I'm telling you, I wouldn't be able to sit and have a conversation with Echo. He'd say something, and I'd be like, really? I don't think you'd be that interested, Lauren. <laughs> no, but I would have... Okay. Have you ever talked to someone who's, like, really into what they're saying? And you either just, like don't give a shit or you really have no idea what they're talking about it's like when me when when i talk about lost you when you talk about most things or like when andrew starts to talk about his job i'm just like "Mm, yeah i don't know what you're saying to me it's like you're speaking to me in another language now i thought i knew enough about religion but i didn't even know moses had a brother so (laughs) I would be so lost, and I was so lost, and that's why I'm sounding like a dummy right now. We were raised Catholic. We just kind of ignore the Old Testament. We were barely raised Catholic. And we'll get into that today. Oh, goody. He asks why she chose Aaron, and she says that she just liked it. I thought of the time where you said that you hoped that that his name was Aaron because of her father, because I know you still want to know about Claire's father. Yeah, I just, once again, I think that's such a lame-ass name for it to not be named after someone special. Like, if it's going to be a... It is someone special. It's the brother of Moses. Okay, but that's not why she named him Aaron. Like, I understand that it's 2005 or whatever, so maybe that is a cool name in in 2005. I don't know. Well, it's still 2004 on the island. Who gives a shit, Zane? You know what I mean. Echo talks about Aaron and how he spoke for Moses. Claire then says if he's religious, he should talk to Charlie since he carries around a statue of the Virgin Mary. Echo asks about the statue and if he can see it. She shows it to him and Echo asks where he found it in the jungle. She says that she doesn't know and he's very intense. And then he smashes the statue with a stick, opening it and showing her the heroine and asks where Charlie is. All right, here's the thing. This is crazy, but... Obviously, like, because we, they had already established previously when they found the plane, they had already established that this was Nigerian currency. Is that what they have with the Nigerian currency? That's why they, okay. 
So we could obviously go ahead and assume right then and there, that's going to be this connection. But how does her just saying, oh, yeah, he has a Virgin Mary statue and he's able to be like, oh, my God, that must be our Virgin Mary statues. This could just be any Virgin Mary statue because. Like. Just crazy. I'm going to release a statement right now. Last week, when we were talking about coincidence versus fate, the reason I was wrong is because I was thinking of this moment and how he just immediately connected the dots and like took it in stride, did not care. I was like, oh, no, he believes it's it's fate. You were right. He was saying don't mistake coincidence for fate. But then in this episode, he just doesn't seem to care at all. Yeah, like, honestly, for me, for this scene, and I got over it, it's fine. But for this scene to be just like a little bit more believable, I would have needed him to see the statue and then freak out, to recognize the statue. Because just to hear, oh yeah, he has a Virgin Mary statue. Okay, there's a lot of Virgin Mary statues. Like, a lot. That was like a little bit of a stretch for me. He did say, like, can I see it? And after he saw it, that is when he got more intense. But no, it the, just the intensity, from the get-go. No, the intensity was there immediately. And it could have just been like a a what if, but I feel like it needed to be a little bit more subtle for yeah. a what if. Charlie's a former heroin addict, but he carries around a statue of the Virgin Mary now. That, exactly. If she would have been like, he loves drugs and he has a Virgin Mary statue. Or, yeah, even just like, oh, you should talk to Charlie. He's religious. I think he is struggling because he, he's carrying around this Virgin Mary statue. I think he keeps it with him because he's struggling recovering from his heroin addiction. Like even that enough would have been like, you know. Yeah, but I, I really just feel like the more believable way would have been like somehow he sees it and he recognizes the statue and he's like, where did you find this? Yeah, just have, me to the have this scene take place at Claire's tent and have the statue just sticking out of Charlie's back. Right, right. Exactly. At the hatch, Michael asks Locke if he is breaking into the gun locker or breaking out. And Locke tells him how he enjoyed silent movies. And Michael tells him that he's not that old. And I point this out because it's really bizarre to me that these two are just like buddy, buddy. When like the last time there was any interaction with them, Michael was happy that Jack did not forgive Locke what happened happened with Boone. But now they're just like best of buds. (laughs) No, I just feel like a lot has happened and they're just like, "Mm, whatever. Yeah. Also, there's just been like no comment from Locke about Walt at all. See, I kind of would like to think that there was an unaired scene where they had like a heart to heart about Walt. And that's why they're buddy buddy. Yeah. Locke's like, I'm going to help get him back. and, And Michael's like, you know, I know that you were just there for him. You were just helping him out. And they had like that little bonding moment that's what i like to think (laughs) Locke explains that he's setting the combination to limit the gun access to everyone so no one can just walk in and help themselves like michael wants to and then on the beach charlie is singing the kinks while he and jen fish and jen eventually tells him that he is scaring the fish away but charlie thinks that he's complimenting his singing voice echo comes stomping over and asks where charlie found the statue Charlie tells him that he found it in the jungle and Jin asks what's going on and Echo tells him to back off. I feel like the look on Jin's face was like, uh-oh, I've seen what that guy can do to a stick. Nope, that's not what... 
That's not what I meant to say. What do you mean to say? <laughs> I meant, I meant um, uh-oh, I know what that guy can do with a stick. I feel like it's just as bad. It's. I don't even think the first one was that bad. I actually feel like, um, <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Because he's beat the shit out of people with that, with that piece of wood. Club. Just <laughs> say it. I thought it was kind of funny that Jin was like, what's going on? Echo's like, doesn't concern you. In my mind, I like to think Jin was like, oh, but we're we're friends. We were in the jungle together. No, I don't think so. I think Jin's like, good. I don't want to be concerned. (laughs) It's like, I'm not going to the fucking jungle again. I just got home. I want to fish. And I want to bang my wife. In that order. Echo tells Charlie to take him to where he found the statue, and Charlie says there's nothing there, but they can go first thing in the morning. Echo says they're going now. But Charlie wants to talk to Claire first, so she doesn't get the wrong idea, and Echo tells him to just tell her on the way. I'm going to take this opportunity to say that Charlie's immaturity is on full display in this episode. His first instinct at every turn is to just lie his way out of the situation, and the second someone challenges him on it, he just turns into a dick. Yeah, but I mean, he's in the process of getting caught with drugs. I'm not surprised by the way he's acting at all. Yeah. No, I'm not because he's a piece of shit and we, this has been well established. But I just thought it was funny. It's it's like the same thing every time. You don't know that there's drugs in the statue? Of course I didn't. Okay, well, here's evidence that you knew that there were drugs in the statue. You don't know me, man. Treat me with a little respect every time. Yeah, whatever. In the next flashback, a grown-up Echo, now a warlord himself, takes a meeting with a drug dealer. The dealer shows him large quantities of heroin, and Echo tells him that he will buy it for 50000 in exchange for the favor that he is asking. The dealer is confused, but Echo explains that he knows that there's no market for heroin in Nigeria, so he has to get it out of the country. But the borders are guarded by the military, and the only private planes that are allowed to fly are UN aid or Catholic missionaries. So he is asking Echo to do it for him. The dealer says the rumors of Echo having no soul are true. So Echo slits their throats. There is a server boy who was bringing them drinks, and Echo's men aim their guns at him. Echo tells them to stand down and for the boy to go and to tell his friends that Mr. Echo let you live. That was an intense scene. Why do you think Echo killed them? You know, I ask myself that question. I feel like... He justified it in his own mind as these are people that are like bringing bad stuff into his area. Like, even though Echo is not a good person right now, but I think in his own way, he's just trying to like protect his people. Does that make sense? And these guys are bringing in drugs and apparently there's no market for drugs here. And, and he's just like, I'm just going to kill him. They're not good people. That's kind of the way I see it. Yeah. Originally, I wrote down, why did Echo let the boy live? And I was like, that's a dumb question. That's one. That one's pretty straightforward. Yeah. I mean, that's obvious. On the island, Charlie walks up to Claire's tent as she cleans up what's left of the statue. He asks what happened to it, and she tells him not to play stupid. And her accent here was so strong. <laughs> Just the way that she said stupid, I was like, holy shit, she has never been more Australian. Mm, I did not notice that. She then shows him the heroin. She says that she remembers him saying that he was a heroin addict, which 
set off alarms immediately for me. I thought she like had memory loss. I'm sure she slowly got her memory back. Didn't yeah, Jack say that she would? Yeah, but I mean, she just apparently remembers everything. That happened. He said that moments before they were ca- they were taken. That just because she remembers that one thing doesn't mean she suddenly remembers everything. I just mean like in season two, there has just been no acknowledgement of it. Yeah, I don't know. Once again, I just feel like you're reaching. Like she remembers that. Okay. <laughs> Charlie lies saying he did not know they were in there and that the statue was sealed. He tells her that he is not using and rips up the bags and throws them on the ground. Claire tells him that Echo is waiting for him and ends the conversation. As we were watching this whole thing unfold between Charlie and Claire, I think that, you remember that whole discussion we were having, I think last episode, with Charlie and Claire's relationship and how, like, he's super, like, protective of her and what you were considering to be, like, trying to isolate her and stuff. I think that whole, I think the whole point of that plot line was to show how big of a deal this is in this episode. They wanted to be like, look, Charlie and Claire are really close. They're basically raising a baby together to make this little betrayal that much deep. Er. <laughs> you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. I did think it was really weird at the end of the episode when she's like packing him up. I'm like, does he just live there? <laughs> Yeah, essentially, I guess. In the jungle, Locke teaches Michael how to shoot without bullets. And Michael asks him how he learned to do all of that. Locke tells him that his father took him hunting for birds. Quick, just want to say, Terry O'Quinn's like little like quick face of pain when he told that story. Really good acting. Yeah. He then says that birds don't shoot back. And Michael says he knows people are talking about him running off into the jungle again to look for Walt. Locke says he has not heard the rumors himself, but he is. He says it's not a smart plan, and Michael agrees. Locke gives him a real bullet, and then he shoots a Costco-sized jar of ranch. <laughs> Broke the hearts of Midwesterners everywhere. Part of me was like, I thought they gave all the food away. Oh, I bet no one wanted that much fucking ranch. Look, if Kate was really from Iowa, she would want that much ranch. I had two friends from Iowa. They used to live here in Bakersfield. And they showed up to my house. We were having a party. And part of that party was that we were going to have, like, make our own pizzas. And she sent her husband to go buy a jumbo thing of ranch for their pizza because we didn't have any ranch. And I was like, that's that's true Midwesterners right there. <laughs> I failed as Midwesterner because I didn't have any ranch. But you had enough fucking shit for avocado toast, though. No, I don't buy avocados. I can't afford that. I'm not a millionaire. I feel like Locke handled this situation really well because he basically is like, I'm not gossiping about you, but I also like don't think it's smart. And when Michael got like a little defensive, he gave him the bullet as kind of like a way to like encourage him again and like get him to like not get upset by what he was saying. Yeah. But I also do think it raises an interesting question, which is like, why didn't they all go running into the jungle to find Walt? Yeah, I'm, like, a little bit frustrated about this whole thing with with Walt. I kind of just feel like the show was like, oh, we have other priorities right now. We want to move some other plot lines along before we go look for Walt. But, like, in reality, I'm just like, no one is doing anything, and Michael is too calm. 
Yeah, he's like way too calm. And the even only- the conversation with him and Jack later, I'm just like, okay, I get that they put that in there because we're all thinking it. But that did not help me. It almost yeah. made it worse. The only thing that I can think of is like their best fighters. And I don't necessarily agree with this because I feel like Kate and Lucia might be better than Jack. But their best fighters are Jack, the doctor who's treating Sawyer. Sawyer, who just woke up from a coma and is on antibiotics. And Saeed, who is mourning the loss of his great love. Also, Locke, who I don't know if he's willing to leave the button unattended for, you know, with Scott or Steve, whichever one's not dead. Those are all really dumb reasons. The only valid reason is Sawyer. Everybody else, get your ass in the jungle. Go get Walt. I don't know. I feel like it might be hard for Saeed. He's a soldier. He can compartmentalize. He can do it. Not to mention, the whole reason that Shannon died is because she thought she saw Walt and she felt like she needed to save him. If that's not a reason to go get Walt, I don't know what is. That's a good point. I know. In the jungle, Charlie sarcastically thanks Echo for getting him in trouble with Claire and then stops at a tree saying that this is where he found the statue. I didn't even realize that happened and now I'm annoyed with Charlie. (laughs) Yeah, you got yourself in trouble yeah, by being a okay. dick. God, he can never take any accountability. Yeah. Thanks a lot for exposing that I have drugs, douche. <laughs> <laughs> Echo do- does not believe that this is where he found him and calls him a liar. This is another example. Echo calls him a liar and Charlie's like, you don't know anything about me other than the fact that you're lying. <laughs> Charlie says, you don't know anything about me and tries to leave. But Echo grabs him and slams him into the tree, telling him he did not find the statue here and demands to be taken to the plane. So kind of a sweeping question here to cover like the whole episode. I referenced it earlier. In the last episode, we have the don't mistake coincidence for fate. But he doesn't seem to hold that same philosophy in this episode. Why is that? I don't know if it's that. I don't think that he thinks that this is fate or he thinks that this is a coincidence. I think he's just like, he sees this little glimmer of hope that he's going to go find his brother. And he is like, you're going to take me to that fucking plane so I can find my brother. Coincidence, fate, whatever. That's not what's on his mind right now. When you say find his brother, you mean his body, right? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, of course. But it's like, it's like closure. Maybe he survived. No, no. It's like closure. Yeah. You know? That would just kind of like be the worst. And I'll save the rest of that thought for when it actually happens. Charlie asks how he knows about the plane and says it's been in the jungle for years. Echo asks why Charlie lied to Claire about knowing what is in the statue. And Charlie says that he was not lying. Echo then asks what he meant when he said so she doesn't get the wrong idea when he showed him the statue. Charlie tells him that he does not have to tell him anything. He says if he wants him to lead him to the plane, he needs to start treating him with respect. And because Charlie has said something along the lines of being treated with respect several times now, I'm just going to say, Charlie, respect is earned, not given. Drives me insane that he always does that. Yeah, but he doesn't even know Echo. Like, Echo doesn't have that many experiences with him to have, like, say, oh, I don't respect you or whatever. Yeah. Also, two-way street, dude. Treat me with a little respect. 
Okay, well, you're not treating Echo with respect by lying to him all the fucking time. Yeah, like, I agree. That's the thing. Like, he is already being a piece of shit with Echo. But Echo doesn't have the same built-up annoyance with Charlie that we do. Yeah. But also, Claire lies to Claire all the time. Uh, Piece of shit to Hurley. He doesn't treat anybody with respect. Yeah, I, I get that. But when you're saying... Respect is earned. But in general, when you're talking to someone, you do speak to someone with respect until you they give you a reason not to. But yeah. I do think that the lying to Echo is a reason not yeah, to. Yeah, like the literally the first thing that Charlie said to Echo was a lie. Yeah, and I don't actually think that Echo's being disrespectful to Charlie. Charlie's just taking it as disrespect because he doesn't want to answer these questions and he's being called out for yeah. bad shit. He, he, not really like a politician, but he is doing what politicians do, which is stall while you try to think of the answer. So why, it's why if you watch Survivor, the final tribal council, oh, you get asked a tough question. Oh, that's a really good question. Stall. Let me think of an answer. While Charlie is saying that he needs to be treated with respect, Echo stops listening when he sees these smoke monsters scatter across the jungle. Charlie asks what he's looking at, and Echo tells him that they need to keep moving. You... Hopefully saw it this time, briefly. I, I saw it. I did see it. What did you make of it before, like, the big moment? Just looked like really dense black smoke. I don't know. Did you, like, think it was going to, like, come into play, or do you think it was just like, oh, there it is? No, I assumed that that meant it was going to attack. That fucking thing would be terrifying to see that in real life. Yeah. Yeah. In the next flashback, Echo returns to his village and is asked to buy a statue in order to raise money to buy polio vaccine for the village. When Ayemi asks him what he's doing home, and Echo says he's there to confess. They greet each other with smiles and go into the church, and Yemi denies his confession, saying it would do him no good. For confession to work, you must have a penitent heart. Echo tells him that what he has done was only what he needed to do to survive and asks how that could be a sin. Yemi tells him that he has heard tales of what he has become. And Echo pulls his old cross from behind Yemi's shirt and asks him if he forgotten how he has how he got it. He asks if what he did that day was a sin or was that forgiven because he saved him. I'm not that religious. And moral ambiguity, as you put it, like this is the reason why. I have a hard time thinking that things are so clear cut. Yeah, but the whole thing with religion in the context of Catholicism is what Yemi is saying. If you are truly sorry for your sins, then God will forgive you. But here's my problem. And, you know, this might not, this is just the way I'm wired, you know? If you and I are walking down the street and someone attacks you and I end up killing them, in defending you. And then now in the context of Catholicism, I have to confess and apologize and ask for God's forgiveness, but I will never be sorry for killing someone that tried to hurt you. Yeah. And now I'm condemned to hell for that. Look, you're condemned to hell for a lot of reasons besides <laughs> that. That's what I don't do religion either. So what I look at it, I want to look at this whole storyline just from a moral aspect. I think Echo's situation is very complex because, first of all, that decision he made, he made as a child. And he made it to protect his brother. But then you have to ask your, yourself, like, at what point are the things that he's doing 
not to protect his brother anymore. Like, at some point, he became a warlord. Right. Like, just slitting people's throats with no hesitation. So, like, he does have to take responsibility for his actions, which, obviously, we see the current Echo, and, like, I truly think, like, that's not who he is anymore, which is why this episode was, like, shocking to me. Like, I was like, that was Echo? Like, that's crazy. But... It is a really interesting situation. But even then, he says he only did what he needed to survive. He was abducted, essentially, and put into this new way of life. And he rose through the ranks because it was the only way not for him to die. And at certain, at one point, he got to that high level. And yes, he is doing bad things. But it's also kind of from a point of protection. Because he's th- he might be thinking, if not me, someone else. At least I can control if it's me. Yeah, and I agree. And that's why I think it's it's difficult to judge or to say like, oh, he's just like all bad. I don't think he's right. all bad. I think he justifies it in his own mind, but he got sucked in pretty deep yeah. and obviously made some bad choices. He does seem like that version of him. He does seem like he's not sorry. Yeah. Like he's just kind of he's all in. In his own in his own way. Yeah. And for those of you who are religious, that is great. You can be what you are. I'm not judging you. And I hope you don't judge me for not being religious. Yemi asks why Echo is there. And Echo tells him that he needs to move drugs out of the country. And he needs to use his plane. He tells him he does not normally deal in drugs. And that he's getting them out of Nigeria. So they are not used by their people. And he says he will give him the money he needs to buy the vaccine. Echo says God gave them this opportunity. And Yemi tells him that God did not bring him there. Greed did. Yemi then tells him that he will always love him, but he will not help him. And says it was good to see him and leaves him alone in the church. On the island, Sawyer and Kate flirt while she cuts his hair. And Kate tells him he does not need to be an ass anymore because everyone loves him now. Hurley then immediately walks by and says that he's happy that Sawyer is back. And then Michael asks if he can take Kate's shift in the hatch to take his mind off things, which she happily gives him. Michael then tells Sawyer that he's glad he's okay. We've talked a lot about how Sawyer punishes himself and makes everyone hate him because he thinks he deserves it. Now that is not the case. How do you think he's going to handle that? What do you mean how he's going to handle it? Being loved. He's going to push it away and push it away and push it away. Charlie says it's time for a break, but Echo says that they just had a break. Charlie offers Echo some water and says that he is not what Echo thinks he is. Echo asks what he thinks he is, and Charlie tells him that his drug use was his brother's fault and that he does not know who he is. He was once a good person and an altar boy. He confesses that he knows what was in the statue, but says it does not mean that he needed it. He tells Echo not to judge him. This was interesting to me because what they're pointing out to us as the audience is that Echo was in his situation because of his brother and Charlie was in his situation because of his brother. But then you see the two people side by side now and what came of it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Charlie became an annoying little twit. And Echo really became like a, a strong, godly man 
very like morally sound, if you ask me. But one could argue that Echo went way, way, way worse than Charlie initially. Yeah. So it's just interesting. Like, maybe it even gives us a little bit of hope for Charlie. But it is two completely different situations. Like, Charlie didn't start using heroin to protect his brother. Like, Echo got into the situation to protect his brother and probably trying to protect, like, many people around him. Whereas Charlie was, like, trying to help his brother. It didn't work. He got pulled into that as well. So it's two different situations, but it's like Charlie's just straight up blaming his brother when it got to the point where this is not his brother's fault. Whereas Echo's like not really blaming anybody, but we did see that in that flashback where he's like, oh, I did this to save you. Yeah, it is. It's not really a mirror image, but it's more like Echo is just further down the path than Charlie is. But it also is like, one is like super intense, like you know, warlord killing people, and one's just like an annoying little piece of shit. I'm not saying that like Charlie is at the same level, but like the comparison could be made. Here's my question: Did they say warlord, or are you making that up? I'm using that word. I don't know what it means. Okay, I feel like he was not a warlord. I feel like you're you're like I think I even said it earlier because you said it, but I thought that was just like a, a fact to the show. Let's uh, uh pretty sure he was not a warlord. I saw it as kind of like a almost like a, a militia within their community that was like it's like a what's the word I'm looking for? The definition of warlord is a military commander, especially an aggressive regional commander with individual autonomy. Maybe. I feel like it's a strong term to be thrown out there. It's not the best term, but it kind of fits because he has people that answer to him he has individual autonomy we assume yeah i mean he's got rumors going around about him yeah okay lots of people have rumors going on like i I just want i just think we should make a statement we don't know if he was a warlord we're two dummies um sorry echo stops listening to him when he sees a parachute in the tree He goes over and finds our fake priest dead friend that Locke and Boone found in Dos Ex Machina. Echo opens his shirt and finds his bare chest. And that is Hottie of the Week. Ew. No. (laughs) He examines the skull and finds a gold tooth. Charlie asks if he knows him, and Echo says that he saved his life. I was very curious about that. I was like, how? And then I'm like, okay. So obviously he's opening up the shirt and he's looking for the cross. He's looking for, so we were like, okay, his brother was on this plane. So then I'm going, how, why was his brother on the plane? Did he straight up send actual priests? But then I was, so at this point I'm like, I'm curious. Echo prays over the man and Charlie says that none of this makes sense. The plane took off in Nigeria and they're in the South Pacific. Charlie then picks up the Jesus stick and finds scripture and asks if Echo is a priest. All right, here's the thing. Charlie is right. Like, he's saying what I'm thinking. How did this plane get all the way out here? Like, I'm so confused about that. But, Charlie, read the room. Is this really the time 
Like, Echo is down, like, praying over this man, and he's just like, I'm, 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 I'm Charlie, and I'm stupid. Shut up. Like, just shut up for a second. He just, he never is able to, like, read a situation and know how to be appropriate in that situation. No, never. In the next flashback, Echo returns to the church with his men and interrupts a confession. Yemi asks the people to leave and begins to chew Echo out. Echo asks if he has reconsidered, and Yemi says, of course not. Then Echo tells Yemi to make him and his men priests, and they will fly the drugs out themselves. And then he will give him the money for the vaccine. Yemi tells him to leave, and Echo tells him that he knows that he lives in a black and white world, but that is not the real world. Echo tells him he would never hurt him, that his friends will burn the church to the ground if he does not sign the papers. He asks if the church is worth more than his name on a piece of paper and tells him to think of the lives that they will save. Yemi takes the papers and signs them, and he says his signature will not make them priests. He will never be a priest. Echo then buys the rest of the statues and tells them that they are both sinners now. And Yemi tells him God will forgive him. And I think the internal struggle that Yemi is facing is just fantastic. And it's the reason why I really like this flashback storyline because everything echo is saying is true they're moving the mon- the drugs out of nigeria they're getting money for for the vaccine but they're just moving the drugs to someone else so they're just inherently moving the suffering but does that mean his people should sh- suffer it's very complex it is really complex but i do think that like from yemi's perspective the truly good thing to do would just be destroy the drugs that they shouldn't benefit off of the suffering of others, which is what's going to happen. Well, it's not going to happen, right. but he, I think he did do what he thought was the ultimate good. Stop the drugs, get the money for the vaccine. Well, he didn't do that on purpose. Yeah, well, yeah, but I mean, his, in, his intention was for that plane to not take off. Later, but when right yeah. now in this scene, when he's agreeing to this, he knows that these drugs are going to go somewhere else. At this Ooh. point in time, he wasn't going to stop the drugs. You know that for certain? Yeah, I feel like that. Because later on, when he's running to stop it, it seems like something happened that made him decide to stop yeah. it. You know what I mean? But it is like just fascinating to me. Like, what is the right decision? Because you could do nothing, let nature take its course. The drugs were already here. I'm not going to help move them. But then you're also, it's like, it's like the trolley problem. You could do nothing and let nature take its course, but you're the one making that decision. Therefore, you are the one responsible for everybody else getting hurt. Yeah. And well, it's also kind like of the- like, it's, In this situation, it's also kind of like that question where it's like, okay, you can press this button in front of you and get $10 million, but someone out there randomly in the world is going to die. And that's kind of what's happening there. Like, he's like, you can accept this. You can sign this paper and you can get vaccines for everybody here. But somewhere we're about to drop a bunch of heroin and probably ruin people's lives. But if they don't get heroin, this heroin, they're going to get other heroin. So he's probably just like, you know what? Heroin's everywhere. What's a little bit more heroin? We're getting vaccines. That is for certain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically it's basically just like reshuffling the deck. There's heroin everywhere. It's going to go 
to the people that are going to get it. They're just putting a little bit more there, which means there's going to be a little bit more there. And it's a domino effect. So if I were a godly man, a priest, I would have a really hard time making a decision. Luckily, I host a podcast. Same. No, I would have signed the paper. I would have signed the paper. If I was in Yemi's position, I, I would have done it. I also would have done it. But I tend to think more about the people around me selfishly. I tend to overthink everything and cry about whatever decision I make. I am like that episode of The Office where Michael had to make a decision and he just was like standing there doing nothing. (laughs) Yeah, I'm really bad at making decisions. It's very difficult. Back on the island, Charlie tells Echo that he's lost, saying that it was dark, he was following Saeed, and he had a head injury. Echo tells him to climb the tree and find the plane. And Charlie tells him to climb it himself and asks if he does not, will Echo beat him with the Jesus stick and points out that there's dried blood on it. That was actually hilarious. And it was a good point. (laughs) (laughs) And at first I was actually thinking like, yeah, why doesn't he just climb the tree himself? But now that I'm thinking that right now, because if he climbs up the tree, Charlie's just going to run away. Echo asks him if he is going to climb it or not. And Charlie does so. And as Echo looks around the jungle and Charlie reaches the top, the monster rips a tree out of the ground. Charlie tells him to run, but the monster approaches Echo and stops in front of his face. They stare at each other, or at least I assume they did because he doesn't have eyes. And as the camera moves through the cloud of smoke and the ticka 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 noise happens, images from Echo's flashbacks appear on the screen. The monster then retreats into the jungle and Echo looks up at Charlie, who is stunned. You didn't notice the images, did you? What are you talking about? When the camera moves through the smoke and you hear the ticka, 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 little images, the picture of the church, a picture of Yemi. <laughs> no. no new, new rule. New rule. Anytime the monster's on screen, you stare at that fucking TV. I was. I even put a note. I said, I said that it was like electrical. I saw like little, like little, like lightning things in it. Those flashes of light were the images. <laughs> I did not see that. <laughs> no, 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 no. I did not see that. And I was watching. Like I was not looking at my phone. I was staring right at it. I will tell you, the fact that you missed this is not that. It's not like a cardinal sin, like missing the smoke monster the first time. This is a very blink and you miss it kind of thing. But I but saw it, the flashes of light. How could I have possibly missed that? Well, for one, I'm pretty sure you need glasses. No, I don't. <laughs> I'm going to have to rewatch that. Lauren's going to watch this live, people. I still didn't see it. Are you shitting me? Okay, hold Do on. Do it again. Do it again. What are you talking about? Hold on. My laptop screen's really dirty. <laughs> not even a little bit i don't see it hold on hold on i don't see it hold on hold on i'm changing my view so that i can damn it right there that's the church Okay, barely. You can see the cross on top. 
I I cannot turn I, up your brightness. It's up, bro. It's up all the way. Okay, just look. Kind of. I'm sorry. If they expected anyone to see that, you're fucking tripping. Well, I'm disappointed in you. That's, I mean, I'm sorry. That's, that's asking a lot of me. Well, it's there. Uh, just so you know, I'm going to be paying attention because um, Andrew's sister is going to be running agility in the national championship soon. And so I just, I just got it up so I can watch her when she goes. Okay. So the monster just stared Charlie down or Echo down. What do you make of all that? Well, it was like the same thing as um, the what's it called? When it happened to Locke. Yeah. Yeah. And it it almost feels like it's sitting there like judging them or like analyzing them. Like, are you a threat to this island? Like scanning his brain and maybe seeing flashes of it in its corporeal form? Yeah. And if I had (laughs) seen that at any time that, you know, I watched it, I would think that. But that's crazy. Like... What does that mean? Well, it didn't go all that well for Locke because the next time they came face to face, the monster tried to kill him. So let's hope it goes better for Echo. Yeah, what's that about? Because he, like, the first it lets Locke go, then it doesn't. Apparently it didn't like what it saw with the pilot. Interesting. It's funny, though, because to me, the smoke monster is, like, such a iconic part of this show. But we're, like... We're 10 episodes into season two, and this is like really the first time we got like a good look at it. Cause because like, yeah, watching back in in the end of season one, it wasn't like a great view, but it still mm. was clear as day a monster made of smoke. I don't think so. Echo asked Charlie if he saw the monster, and Charlie says yes, and what Echo did to stop it. Echo said he did nothing, much like Jurassic Park. Charlie says that most people, when they see a cloud of swirling black smoke they run echo says he was not afraid of it and then asks where the plane is charlie points towards it and echo just leaves him in his dust at the hatch michael makes sure the entire hatch is empty and checks his watch before sitting at the computer he randomly types to try to get some sort of prompt and a message appears from walt he asks if he's alone and michael says yes that is not walt there is no fucking way that's walt what what is going on? They somehow they have like a camera that can see when Michael is in there and they're messing with him. That is not Walt. Who's they? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It is not Walt. You don't know? The others? Okay. I don't I was, know. I was like, who? who? <laughs> yeah, like obviously the others, because who else would it be unless there's like other others? Other, other, others? There's other, other, others. Or the Dharma folk? <laughs> yeah, they're just like, oh, this would be funny. Michael says that he's alone and asks where Walt is, and Walt says he needs to come, and then the screen cuts away, and Jack interrupts. Jack pulls a chair up and tells him that no one has forgotten about Walt, and he tells Michael he has no idea what he's going through, but as soon as he can, they're going to figure out how to go out there and bring Walt back. Michael thanks him, and Jack asks if he's okay. He looks over at the computer and the messages are gone. And then Jack leaves. Hmm. Why, why do you think Michael's keeping this a secret? Maybe he's also skeptical about if it's even Walt. And also maybe 
Did he watch the video? No, he was on the computer when they were watching the video. But maybe when he was like given the little lock lesson of how to use the computer, they were like, he was like, you can only use it for the button. Like the video says. But do you think Jack would care about that? Jack wouldn't know. Not, okay, I feel like that came out like K-N-O-W. Jack wouldn't, comma, no. But I I still feel like mm, you just got to keep it to yourself for a little bit. How do you think Jack handled this moment? Because like you said, it is kind of dumb that they haven't really gone out looking for him. I feel like Jack was fine. I'm just more interested in the fact that Michael isn't leading the charge to be like, let's go get my son. Like, he just seems a little chill about it. And that's kind of weird. I feel the need to check in with Jack because orientation was just not a good day for him. And I'm just trying to see if he's worked his way back into your good graces at all. He's been fine. He's been neutral. Echo and Charlie arrive at the plane and we get a flashback of Echo and his men loading the statues onto the plane. Yemi arrives and tells him that he is there to stop Echo. Yemi tells him that he wants to save his life now as he did when they were children. He tells him he will take his confession, he will do whatever it takes to get him to stay, and begs him not to go. The military arrive, and Yemi tells him that he only told them what was going on, not who was involved. He tells him to just leave the drugs. Echo's men open fire on the military and hit the driver, causing their truck to crash. But then one of his men gets gunned down. Yemi throws his arms up, telling everyone to stop firing, but then catches a bullet himself. Echo gets Goldtooth to help him load Yemi onto the plane, and then Goldtooth kicks Echo out the door, and the plane takes off as the military shoots at them. Why do you think Goldtooth kicked him? I was thinking that maybe he thought Echo was kind of in on them getting busted, and he like didn't trust him, or maybe he was just like, fuck it, I see my chance, and I'm going to take all these drugs for myself. Then why take Yemi? I don't really know. Maybe he made the decision after he like loaded him up. He's like in the process of loading him with Echo. And then he's like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to just do this without him. I I really don't know. This whole thing was crazy, though, because I'm thinking. And we'll never get this answer. I don't I'm assuming. I just want to know what made Yemi do that. It's almost like he had like a premonition or like a vision or something. That was that this plane was going to crash i think it was more like he knew the military was coming and was gonna kill them so he turned them in and thought that he could get to echo before he got in trouble yeah because he said i didn't tell them who was involved oh when he showed up all frantic it felt deeper than that it felt like he knew something yeah that the military was coming (laughs) yeah okay maybe i'm stupid in your defense Echo does straight up ask him, are you a prophet now? <laughs> yeah, okay. So, like, I guess maybe that was just my reaction, and then I didn't connect the dots when he finally revealed that, like, he told on them. So I, I was kind of having those feelings, and then they got told on, and then, you know, Yemi's getting shot, and I'm like, oh, my God, my brain just couldn't catch up. We bicker, you and I. Siblings do that. Mm-hmm. If you were to be in a life or death scenario and then just disappear and I never got to know the answer, that would haunt me for the rest of my fucking life. Yeah. I mean, I think considering he watched his brother get shot in the chest. Yeah. But then like the body just disappears. Yeah. 
That's that's difficult. Oh, this little doggy doesn't want to go. Wait, what? When you said she was running agility, I thought you meant no, her dog. Oh, her dog Jesus is in Christ. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm leaving that in. Oh well, well, this isn't her dog that I'm watching right now. But I have to pay attention because they just like do them one after the other. Oh, like well, quick tangent. Kate and her dad went to the pet expo the other day. And Kate, her method of release when she's very emotional is you just start crying. And sometimes I'm just like, okay, well, we got to get this out of the way. So I'll try to like make her cry by like saying something really sad just to like, you know, move it along. <laughs> I sound like a great boyfriend. <laughs> you sound like an asshole. So we were at her place and she was like, I just need to cry. And I was like, do you want me to say something sad? And she's like, you're going to make me cry. And I was like, you know how you went to the pet expo? Some pets come in last place and they don't know what they did wrong. And oh she just God. starts crying. That's going to make me cry. And then she started like talking about it. She's like, they were like so excited. They got their hair done. And then I started crying. <laughs> Do you know? Okay. Like I used to work. I was around a lot of um, horse racing and I would get upset about the horses that lost. I did. Oh my God. Kate, anytime we watch anything sports related, she just immediately feels bad for the other team. I took her to an Ohio state, Michigan state game, like the last game of my senior year at home. And Mich- we sat in front of the tunnel that Michigan state runs out of. So every time they ran out and they ran in and we booed them, we're like, fuck you. We hate you. Cause we hate Michigan state. Not as much as we hate Michigan. But she would just be like, they're just trying their best. Why are you guys so mean to them? I agree if it's not a team that we are playing, like one of my teams are playing. But if I'm watching like a random game and then you see the people, like the the losers and they're like crying and stuff, like mm. that really upsets me. We just, I'm an empath. <laughs> March Madness just started at the time of recording. So we're at a sports bar last night watching all these games and like upsets happen and shit. And it's just like, I just feel so bad for them. Man, now I'm sad about these dogs. Moving on. Back on the island, Echo gets in the plane and sees his own bloody handprint from when he tried to climb in. He crawls over the statues and opens the last remaining body shirt and finds the cross. It's Yemi. He hugs his body and cries. And we get the last flashback where a soldier thinks Echo is a priest and asks if he is okay. On the island, Charlie asks who Yemi is, and Echo tells him it's his brother. Charlie says that he is sorry. He places a statue in Yemi's hands and covers him with fuel. He then gives Charlie a statue to replace the one that he broke. They burn the plane, and Charlie asks if he is a priest or not. Echo places the cross around his neck and says yes. Then he recites the 23rd Psalm. And Charlie joins him. That was a pretty intense moment. I felt things. As an empath. As an empath. It, yeah. It would really suck to lose a sibling. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) And I feel like, I feel like that's why Charlie became softer and like less of a dick, you know, because he was thinking of his own brother. Well, yeah. And you would you would hope that anyone would become less of a dick in that situation. Yeah. But I bet you something you probably didn't think of 
is he might be thinking of how this situation is extremely similar to what his brother is going through right now. Mm, that That is true. Because Liam did not want to do the band and Charlie essentially ran away because of that. He's probably blaming himself. And then his brother died in a plane crash. That That's a good point. On the beach, we get a little montage while the prayer is being led. Anna tends to a fire and Jin introduces Sun to her and then give her some fish. I liked that moment. It was nice. It was very cute. Good old Jin seeing the best of people. Hurley helps Libby with her tent. Again, they have so many tarps. Tarp smugglers. <laughs> Sawyer looks at his new haircut and Kate gives him a hard time as Jack walks up to give Sawyer his meds. And it's a little awkward. Ahem. Are you this serious? Was, this wasn't a hot episode. Oh, my God. But Sawyer's hottie of the week for that that fresh haircut. That's so fucking lame. Yeah, I know, but it just wasn't a hot episode. Yeah. Oh, I put I put it in all caps, so I just put fresh haircut. <laughs> That's a three-way tie with Jin, Said, and Sawyer. Hmm. Maybe we'll get to the end of the season. You'll finally be able to answer the Mary Fuck Kill. Probably not. Charlie returns to the beach and finds that Claire has moved him out. She tells him that he lied and Charlie apologizes. He says he had it to make him feel safer. And Claire tells him that she does not want a liar anywhere near Aaron and tells him to leave. He takes his things and wanders down the beach. Later at night, Charlie wanders the jungle with a torch and he places his replacement statue in a tree where he has several more stashed. And that is how the episode ends. I was really hoping that this episode was like going to lead towards like hope for Charlie. Nah, I think Charlie's about to go downhill. What do you make of Echo and Charlie's dynamic? Do you enjoy it? Would, do you want more of it? I don't want more of it because I don't want more Charlie. <laughs> but I think if I had more of it, I, I wanted it. To, I want it to be like a mentor mentee type of thing where maybe Charlie gets better. It is nice that Echo, similar to Locke, doesn't really take any of Charlie's bullshit. Kind of calls him out. Yeah, but I, I feel like Echo and Locke are similar in general. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Echo speaks in riddles as much as Locke does. No, but you know, very like wise. Mm-hmm. Why do you think Echo said he was a priest? Well, I'm assuming that what happened after, like when he's like, "Father, are you okay, Father?" Like in the flashback, I'm assuming that Echo just was like, "I'm gonna lean into this. I'm a priest now." Okay. And that he like truly dedicated his life to it. And like, like his brother said, like he, he, he'll never be a priest. Like you can't just be like, I'm a priest. But I think he cosplayed as a priest until he uh, wrecked on this island. Speaking of which, why do you think Echo was on flight 815? Great question. I don't know, but I, I want to know. <laughs> How did the beach crap get to the island? The magnet. <laughs> I, I have no idea. That's a strong like- ass magnet. I would really like an answer to that because I have no idea. If you were Claire, was there anything Charlie could have said that you would have accepted and forgiven him? Mm, I don't think so. Not in that moment. No. Like the thing is, 
she's around him enough to know. I'm sure she knows that he hasn't used at all. And the fact that he like destroyed the drugs in front of her, I at the time was like, oh, this is such a good sign. That dog's fast. But obviously we see his stash later on and that and she doesn't know about that, but that's not good. I, I feel I, like if I was Claire, it could be mended, but not in that moment. No. What I thought was really interesting is when he's having that conversation with when he was saying that it made me feel safer to have it. Like, I feel like that was like a confession from like somewhere down deep. And I feel like that in a couple other things, maybe Claire could like understand where he's coming from because no one knows where, where he's coming from. None of them are drug addicts. Yeah, I I agree. I think it'd be hard for me. I guess I just can't relate because when it's something like that, like if it's in my house, I have no impulse control. And thank God I'm not an addict because I'd be really bad because I have no impulse control. It's not the same thing. I know it's not the same thing, but like if there's cookies, I'm snacking. There's ice cream, I'm snacking. If it's there, I'm going to I'm going to use it. So, it's interesting that he's able to have it and not touch it, which is good. I think that's a really good sign for him. But why um, need so many? Yeah, it feels like a slippery slope. Final thoughts on the episode, Lauren? It was a complex one. And it probably made me sound like a big dummy. So everybody just remember, I'm just a dummy and my opinions don't matter. Should we acknowledge that you almost had to get a tattoo? Okay, so you might notice... Uh, we have an ad. And if you go back and listen to every episode so far, those will have an ad too. And you might be thinking, oh my gosh, Lauren, where, when are you going to get your tattoo? This one doesn't count. Doesn't <laughs> count. We agreed in the beginning that the ad that is incorporated with our platform, Spotify for Podcasters, does not count as an ad that will cause me to get a tattoo. Ha ha. Sexy suck. When I got the email, I got so excited. <laughs> you guys will just have to support us even more if you want us to get big enough to, you know, do that. Get a Virgin Mary statue tattooed on Lauren. That is the last thing that I would get tattooed <laughs> on me. <laughs> do you have any thoughts for next week? The obvious answer feels like Charlie because this was so heavily Charlie. So that's my guess, but like, I really hope it's not. I will remind you. It has been a couple months since the previous episode. So basically everybody's back on the table. What do you mean since the previous episode? Because like this was the return from the mid-season break. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. The episode title is The Hunting Party. The Hunting Party. Hunting. Locke? No, I have no idea. Lock it in. <laughs> It is a Jack episode. Don't roll your eyes. There has not been one bad Jack episode. I know, but why Jack? Like, ugh. Is he going to throw a hissy fit again? Yes. Oh my God, I can't. No, 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 no. There is something that happens in this episode that I wish Kate was on. Okay. This is one of the worst moments for a character in television history. <laughs> so Kate? No. Oh, but you said you wish that Kate was on it. Yeah, because Kate has an opinion about this. Oh. Maybe. Okay. Maybe we'll get Kate's opinion on a future episode of Flashback? 
Flashback? Tune into flashbacks to hear Kate's opinion. All right, folks, we're at the end of the episode. It's everybody's favorite part. And listen up, because we've got big shit to share. Some people have been begging us, asking us, sliding into our DMs. Lauren, Lauren's brother, please. No, this fucking shit. All right, hold on. We have to do a, a quick pause. We received such a nice message from a follower, Lucky Blonde 13 This is how she started the message. Hey, Lauren, Lauren's brother and Kate. Saint said that in the group chat. I was at work. I was tackling. We now refer to Zane as Lauren's brother. You can find us uh, on TikTok. You can find me in the comments saying, shut up, Lauren's brother. (laughs) I was going to introduce myself as Lauren's brother in this episode, and I forgot. Oh, you should have done that. That would have been so funny. So, Like, what... I say my name at the beginning of every episode. I say my name on the outro. Hate's not in every episode. I do 95% of the work for this fucking thing, and I'm Warren's brother. I'm star, and clearly Kate is the star. You're just the brother and the girlfriend of the... You're the boyfriend. The you're the boyfriend of the stars of this podcast, Zane. Okay, so anyway, people like... Lucky Blonde 13 and others, they want YouTube content. And who am I to deny you of your deepest desires? So you're getting it. You're getting YouTube content. As soon as we hit the 500 followers on TikTok, you will find the link on our TikTok. And when we have a name, Zane, do we have a name for our YouTube channel? Is it Hopefully Lauren, Lauren Gets, gets Lost? lost. <laughs> Search Lauren Gets Lost on YouTube. And you're going to find Zane is working so hard putting together all the bloopers from season one. And I can tell you they're funny because it's me doing the blooping. <laughs> and there's also going to be some content like the draft that we did last episode or the episode before. I have no idea. That's going to be in video format for everybody. It's going to be good. Head on over to YouTube and as we get better at that, we'll put up some more content. Eventually, we might even have a video podcast. And Same. don't forget the long-awaited Vincent-centric episode. Yes, we are so close to having 500 followers on TikTok. Hopefully, by the time this airs, we have it. And Zane will be making a Vincent-centric episode starring his own dog, Locke. And I'm going to say now, he's going to be wearing collars because my dog is a flight risk. <laughs> Okay, yeah, sorry. It'll be a little bit inaccurate. Until then, please head on over to our TikTok at laurengetslost.pod. Our Instagram, where Zane is finally putting more stuff on there, at laurengetslostpod. Our Twitter, at laurengetslost. Facebook group, once again, somebody please go interact with Zane on Facebook. He's so sad. Once again, it's not a group. (laughs) What? Zane, whatever. It's a page. No one would know. I don't go on Facebook. Who goes on Facebook? Look, if you're over the age of 50, please go interact with Zane on Facebook. You may find me in Facebook groups like Lost Shambala. Shout out to them. I'm pretty active in there. Okay, nerd. Just kidding. We love all of our supporters. Uh, Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm getting so off track. I'm just so excited. So do all that, all the social media. Give us five stars wherever you're listening. Keep sending in those DMs. We love them. Tell your friends, tell your family, tell your priest. And join us next week for The Hunting Party. 
Thank you for listening to Lauren Gets Lost. This podcast is hosted by and edited by Lauren's brother with co-host Lauren, produced by Kate Wister, and our music is done by David Kohler. And remember, they were not dead the whole time. Lauren's brother.